Welcome back, everyone, to Your Life, God's Word, where we take the principles found in Scripture and we apply them to our everyday lives, those areas that are most important, faith, family, and community. In this episode, we are going to dive headlong into a topic that even most churches will not touch and will not discuss because our society has corrupted the family and corrupted marriage in such an effective way that we don't want to talk about it. But the scriptures do talk about the concepts of adultery, divorce, sexual sin, and we are going to discuss these from the light of Proverbs chapter 5. We will move into first how Jesus views marriage and how Jesus views divorce, and then we will walk through verse by verse chapter 5 of Proverbs, and we will show exactly what the wisdom of God is in this situation. Let's dive in, let's get ready, and let's go right now. All right, well, just a friendly reminder before we get started here, don't forget to do all of those things we say pretty much every episode, <laughs> like, comment, subscribe if you're on YouTube, definitely um, uh, follow the podcast if you're listening to this on one of the podcast services, but all of those things help us to get this stuff out there, get the message of Jesus Christ out there, get the message of scriptures out there and if you have friends family co-workers whatever it might be that would benefit from this of course feel free we encourage you to uh, share this with them so that they can receive uh, the word of god as well so greetings my friends god bless you uh hope you're all doing well we are uh continuing through the book of proverbs we're in proverbs chapter five and the entire chapter here is uh, focused on um, adultery, really. It's talking about the, uh, the 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 need for discretion and knowledge and wisdom in how to avoid falling into uh, this pitfall that, um, frankly, destroys families, destroys societies. Um, and we are going to be diving a little bit more into this in a series that is upcoming. Um, on the Ten Commandments. I want to do a series on the Ten Commandments, go through each of them, talk about them in their context, uh, kind of apply them to today, though. You know, a lot of times we read the Ten Commandments, oh, you know, don't have any other gods. Well, you know, no, nobody really worships idols, especially in the West. Uh, not true. We'd be surprised. And uh, things like, oh, well, you know, the, the Sabbath day, that doesn't apply today. Well, in what way does it not apply? How, what, what does that mean exactly? So I, th I think that'd be fun. I think that'd be cool. But part of it, obviously, is don't commit adultery. And I, in that session, I'm going to go more into the societal impacts and the issues with um, uh, adultery and sexual sin and things like that and the impact that it has on society and family and, and all that. So I don't think I'm going to do that here. Rather, I'm just going to go through and talk about the the proverbial, the wisdom aspect of it that these scriptures lay out. And then, again, when we get to the, the series on the Ten Commandments, we'll dive much more into uh, societal and um, kind of go outside of Proverbs and talk more about it. So, um, to open, however, I do want to go to the New Testament really quick. And I want to make sure everyone's on the same page <laughs> when it comes to 
what adultery uh, is and how how our society today needs to view it, should view it, because this is the way Jesus viewed it. Now, uh, again, I think when we go through the Ten Commandments and stuff, we'll talk more about you know how do churches handle things and and uh, families that have been through such a such a tragic thing. And again, as a pastor, unfortunately, um, there are people that go through divorces. There are people that before they ever even come to Christ have been through a divorce, maybe even more than one. And uh, in counseling with people and helping people walk through that, uh, I see what it does to families. I see what it does to individuals and to children especially. And so I am very, um, I'm, I'm close to the situation and I, I do understand all aspects um, of, of, of kind of where people can come from, although I obviously haven't, um, I, I, I obviously don't have experience with every single situation because that would require me to uh, be some kind of party to every single divorce out there. So there are nuances and differences between every situation. No situation is exactly alike, but there are general principles that we, um, are, I'm very sensitive to and understand. But when we step back, we've got to look at what does Scripture say? What does Jesus say? And that's found in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30, it first talks about how men need to work on their eyes and work on their lust because it's not enough just to say, well, I'm not going to commit adultery. We need to not even have that lust in our hearts and our minds, and we certainly should do everything we can, build support systems, build accountability, all of these things to avoid even the lust aspect, the desire aspect, right? Curbing that and helping to keep it to where we don't act out some kind of desire. Then it gets into uh, verse 31. This is Matthew 5 and 31. Jesus speaking, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So what what is he saying, right? The, the scripture comes to mind where Jesus uh, said what, what God has joined uh, together, let no man... Um, separate. And what Jesus is saying is that there's only two grounds for getting, I'll say, getting out of a marital covenant, because it is covenant. And we'll, again, we'll get into that, I think, when we talk in, in the Ten Commandments. But it is a covenant. It's more than just a, a, a cool thing we do, have a nice wedding, and then, you know, whatever. It is a covenant. God says two people coming together as one flesh. And uh, in Mark uh, chapter 10, um, in verse 7, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. 
And that's Jesus speaking again. His idea is that these two have become one. So just because somebody goes and gets a piece of paper that says, oh, we're now separated, uh, God does not recognize a divorce unless it's because of sexual immorality or, of course, the person dies, which isn't a, a divorce. He doesn't, I should say, he doesn't recognize the dissolution of a marriage unless someone dies, in which case, obviously, um, or there's sexual immorality, marital unfaithfulness. And in that situation, it's not like a, a requirement. Oh, your spouse was unfaithful in a time of weakness or whatever. Um, maybe the marriage wasn't doing so great, and you know, you're going to go get counseling, and you decide to forgive and move on. That's totally fine. It's not a requirement, but that is a legitimate reason to say, look, they've broken the, the marital, uh, the, the, the consecration of a marriage the um, the the covenant aspect, and so that's grounds for a separation, a dissolution of the marriage. Other than death and sexual morality, God doesn't recognize a divorce because he says what God has joined together, let no man separate, and no man would include the two people that are party to the marriage. Okay, it doesn't say no man except the groom, or no man except, well, if the wife gets tired of her husband. It says God's joined it together now, let no man separate. So Jesus's view is that if someone is divorced for any other reason other than sexual morality or death, which is not really divorce, of course, um, then they just live single the rest of their life because to get married again after a divorce is adultery. Now, that does not mean that is a sin that is uh, far and above every other sin. There's no way to repent or anything like that. So, obviously, people come to God, people make mistakes, people sin, whatever. You repent, and you, you have to repent and move on in righteousness and sanctification. But we do need to understand when we get married that is a serious thing before God. It is a covenant, and we are in that for life. And if we divorce that person because of whatever, other than they cheated or they're dead, if we divorce them, then get with someone else, even if we marry that someone else, we are committing adultery, and we are making that person commit adultery. So I think that's important before we get into this. I went to the New Testament and to the red letters, the words of Jesus, so that he could say it and not me. He can explain it and not me. So that if anybody has you know, questions or an issue about that, again, this isn't coming from me. This is how God looks at it. This is how Jesus Christ explained it. Now, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 1 is where we're going to pick up with that understanding of how important it is because a marriage is a covenant. And <clears throat> verse 1 says, My son... Be attentive to my wisdom, incline your ear, incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life, her ways wander and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me, 
and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed, and you say, How I hated discipline, and in my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I'm at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. I'm going to stop right there, verse 14, and then we'll pick it up in a minute here. But first, it's interesting that um, you know Solomon had all these wives and concubines and stuff, and the Bible lets us know that they turned his heart away from God. It's interesting that <clears throat> with all this wisdom floating around, uh, Solomon did not partake of this level of wisdom. And we need to realize that the the pull and the 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 weight, the um, the the enticement of sexual sin is extremely strong. We shouldn't just try to play it off and be like, oh well, you know, I've got Jesus, so I'm beyond temptation or I'm above temptation or no, that is not true. We need to have um, a, a a healthy respect for uh, for under well a healthy respect to understand a healthy respect for our flesh uh, to realize that it's stronger than we might want to give it credit for and our humanity and our fleshly desires they they can be stronger than we sometimes want to give them credit for and we shouldn't make any room for it. The scriptures say this, don't make any provision for the flesh. Uh, Paul told Timothy, flee youthful lusts. Um, don't play around. Don't don't just, just build those bulwarks and <clears throat> um, build in uh, checks and balances. Build in things where you were accountable to people. Make some, some, some good guidelines uh, that we are not going to put ourselves in situations where Worst of the worst happens. We were in a moment of weakness. Something happens. It's like, I don't know what happened. I don't know what came over me. Make it so that if something comes over you, there's no way to actually pursue anything, right? Um, I know, you know, back in the day, uh, Mike Pence uh, told, you know, he, he didn't, he said that he does not uh, or did not or does not, um, you know, ever uh, do business or, you know, uh, have a meeting and that kind of stuff alone with a woman um, without his wife there or with somebody else in the room uh, just just because of the, the you know the, the view of impropriety and of course he's in politics there's also the people can be after you to blackmail you or you know tell lies about you or whatever right um, but that's a wise thing you know it's it's not it's it's not like oh that's just so silly what a prude no I mean he's he's trying to have a line that there's, there's, it's really impossible for him to trip over uh, if he abides by it. I don't know the guy personally, so for all I know, he just says that on TV and doesn't actually do it. But uh, it is a, a good idea, good thought, uh, a way to say, hey, this is, um, this is one way that you know I protect myself. And so there's lots of different things we can do. We can have accountability partners as men. Uh, we can have people that I mean, they can call us up. We can chat. We can we can go to and confide in. Um, uh, women need this as well. And uh, you know, the, the the scriptures here talk about this. You know, this woman who's you know kind of 
trying to draw this guy away, but trust me, uh, <laughs> you don't have to have a woman that is actively trying to draw a guy away for a man to be tempted, for a man to have desires and these kinds of things. So it's not like it's always, always on the woman, it's always her fault. Uh, no, not even close. Uh, we need to understand that it, there's not a uh, there's not a um, an indictment in the scripture uh, against you know all women and it's always just this innocent guy gets drawn away. He's talking to his sons and so in this he's talking more. Of course, he's talking about a woman and this kind of thing. Of course, a woman can also be drawn away. A woman can you know get get enticed by another man that's not her husband. So it it goes both ways, but. It's also interesting that he goes into this like at the end of your life, right? Because right, sin can be pleasurable in the moment for a season or whatever. But at the end of the day, when we're dead, when we're all it's all said and done, or we're on our deathbed, we're not going to be thinking about ooh all the pleasure we had over our life. We're going to be thinking about eternal things. If we've destroyed our family because of uh, infidelity and things like that, we're not going to be sitting there alone in that room like. Wow, didn't I have a great time though? No, we're, we're going to be lonely and and uh, and despondent, and you know, woe is me. And I look at my life, and but he says this right: you you look back over your life, you groan, you you didn't like discipline, you didn't like reproof, you didn't listen to the voice of your teachers and your your instructors. You're at the brink of utter ruin, right? Right in the in the assembled congregation, right in the middle of you know where where good things could be happening. Here I am. I didn't listen. I didn't. And this is so many people. There, there are so many times where people have good instruction. They have people, good examples around them. They have people that they could lean on, people that maybe even speak into their lives. Uh, as a pastor, again, I can tell you there's lots of times where people get good advice. I've done it. You've done it. Everybody does this, right? There's times you get advice that you really should have taken, but you knew better, or this time it's different. Um, there's an old there's an old adage that says, you know, with investing, right? When you're an investor, one phrase that you don't want to hear is, but this time it's different, <laughs> right? Right. In the past, this has never worked. People always lose money. It always goes south. Oh, but this time it's different. Mm, no. And we need to realize there's there's a accumulated wisdom uh, in, in a community of godly people, right? You run with righteous people. Doesn't make you righteous automatically just by osmosis, uh, but it's a lot easier to get righteous advice and have righteous examples and have people we can lean on and have people that can hold us accountable. And and, and it's sad, right? Listening to the that someone could be at the end of their life and they didn't do this and yet they had all the opportunity. But I've seen much of it and I know from experience that that is what happens to many people. And so we need to be very careful and active in this, which is how he opened the chapter, right? Hey, lean in, listen, do these things, uh, even if I don't, right? Because <laughs> again, uh, yeah. So Verse fifteen, he goes on, and this is a kind of a popular scripture when it uh, when it talk, um, when we're talking about scriptures on faithfulness and the family and avoiding adultery. It says, "Drink water from your own cistern, flowing waters from your own well. Uh, get married, have that 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 person, that spouse that you're in covenant with, you're devoted to, uh, lifelong, forever." Uh, doesn't mean there's not going to be problems. There will be, probably. Uh, there will be issues, fights, things to work through. Um, maybe, you know, 
maybe some some really tough times where it was like, man, I'm not even sure if this thing's even going to be able to last through, but because of your covenant before God, because of the the sanctity of what marriage really is, which of course has been obliterated in our in our day and age, uh, but it's again, God doesn't change because the laws of our nation change. Uh, God doesn't change because over the last you know 60, 70, 80 years, marriage has become nothing but a uh, a, a viable contract, basically. Uh, it's not just a contract; it's a covenant, and um, you know we need to realize, hey, get into that covenant with someone that you love, someone that you have, you know, you've taken this to God, you've prayed about it, you've looked at it. They're a godly person. They're on the same page with that. All of that stuff. Uh, you've you've gotten counsel. Hopefully, <laughs> go to marital counseling. Premarital counseling is a absolute. I mean, it's. Oh, it's so important. People should do it because, I mean, again, right? You've not done it before, generally, and uh, this is the first shot you've had at getting married if you're, again, abiding by the by the uh, scriptures. Again, sometimes people, people die or it's a legitimate marital unfaithfulness so you're getting married again. But a lot of times when you're talking this kind of situation or this kind of scenario, it's your first time. And guess what? Your first time is supposed to be your last time. That's pretty important. That's pretty crazy important. And so get some premarital counseling. Get someone that is godly, scriptural, that knows you or or will get to know you over a, over a, you know several weeks to be able to counsel you. That, you know, do read some books. I mean, Goodness sake! Some people don't, you know, they don't buy a car without doing a couple of weeks of research, and yet they'll get married, you know, in all, over a weekend. Uh, really? <laughs> Drank a little too much and got married, right? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, or whatever, which is insane. And this, you know, this is why we're in some of the problems that we have in our society today. But this is what he says: Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths, right? Uh, in other words, God's watching. <laughs> Verse 22, the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. So, talks about lack of discipline and folly. It it does it is discipline. It does take discipline, right? We're human beings. We uh, we can have moments of weakness. We can have times where we're enticed or where we're tempted. Uh, temptation's not a sin, but giving into the temptation is a sin. He's warning very, very, very heavily against the idea of going outside of right your own cistern, your own waters. Right? He's saying, look, get. Stay with your wife. Let her be the one who entices you, who who you love. The, let let your wife, the wife of your youth. In other words, you're growing old together, and 
uh, let her be that you know lovely deer, graceful doe that is yours. She is yours. You are hers. You're in covenant forever together, and that's the way God intended it. That's what God blesses, and uh, you know this is obviously um, a very again weighty subject, weighty matter. And this is why he goes on to say, right, God is watching. <laughs> Man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. He ponders all his paths. God's watching. God, God sees. God doesn't, he's not buying into the, you know, the uh, sloganeering and the jargon and the, you know, irreconcilable differences. He's not buying any of that. He said, one man, one woman, for life, in covenant. That is what marriage is. That is what a family is. That's how you build strong families, strong churches, strong communities, strong nations even. And that's what God blesses. And when we move away from that, we don't receive blessings from God. We receive the curses of God. And that's why we are in the state we are. One of the reasons we are in the state we are in this country is that long ago we started backing away from this idea and this understanding of marriage and its importance and how it's holy, how it's sacred. Uh, it's so much more than just, you know, boy meets girl and they kind of like each other. So, eh, you know, let's see if this works. No, not let's see if this works. We are going to make it work. It is work. It takes discipline, right? last verse we just read, verse 23, he dies for lack of discipline. We need to be disciplined. Uh, Job actually said, I made a covenant with my eyes. Um, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look on a woman. And again, <laughs> this, this is not, this is, this, does that sound like a, uh, you know, a, a verse that's like, oh yeah, it's just so easy. I mean, once you get married, when it's the one, it's the one, she's the one, you know, the music cues up and it's happily ever after. That is, happily ever after is a farce, okay? Because happily ever after, after bears with it the connotation, almost like if you find the right one up front, it's all downhill from there. And that's not true. Marriage is work. Marriage takes work. It takes um, learning, growing, developing. It takes a lot of forgiveness. It takes a lot of humility. <coughs> Obviously, I'm talking about if we want to do it right. It, it, it takes a lot. And I'm married. Uh, we've been married 15 years. And uh, it's, it is work. It's, it's, you know, having children is work. Having a good career, it's work. Building strong relationships with people, it's work. Uh, anything that's worthwhile takes work. And, you know, there's stuff that uh, we've had to work through over the years, and there will be more things over the next 15 years. Uh, there will be things to work through and ups and downs. But overall, it is a, hey, you're drinking water from your own cistern, right? You're getting out of it what you're putting into it. You know, a lot of times in today's society, it's uh, what am I getting out of this? We go into a marriage thinking how they're going to please us and that you've already started with one strike against you when that is the attitude. The attitude should be, I love this person. What can I do for them? What can I put into this marriage? And if both people come together with that attitude, 
guess what? It's going to work out great as long as they keep that attitude because you're going to be looking to please them. You're going to be looking after them. You're going to be humble when they mess up. You're going to forgive when you mess up. You're going to be quick to repent. Um, these, these are the things that make uh, or break a marriage. And so Job said in Job 31.1, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Uh, how then could I gaze at a virgin, right? He's made this covenant with his eyes. He's not even going to look, right, on a woman. He's married. He's made a covenant. Um, uh, every Man's Battle is a great book. Uh, I think there's a, Every Young Man's Battle, there's an Every Man's Battle. Uh, but if you want to look that up, it's a, it's a, and he kind of bases it around this scripture and talks about the eye bounce, right? If your eyes even start looking at another woman, you're walking through the mall, you're at the beach, you're out of the theme park, you're wherever, right? And you, you know, your eyes start to even just look, you just do the bounce, you bounce away, don't even let, you, let it get into your brain. That's another kind of barrier and um, protection bulwark that you can throw up and say, nope, not even going to have that, right? Not going to be in these kinds of situations. This isn't going to happen, right? Single man going over to a young lady's um, house at night for a Bible study. That's just absolute foolishness. A married man doing the same thing is also absolute foolishness. Right? <laughs> just, just Marriage does not automatically protect us from getting into precarious situations where temptation uh, abounds and where we can uh, fall and falter. So over and over and over again in this chapter, he is just giving these little tidbits and nuggets of wisdom on how to avoid one of the greatest uh, sins and also just detrimental sins to society, to families, which is the, of course, the, the, the bedrock of a strong society. So we need to take it seriously. We should read this, study this, and live by these principles because in the end, uh, as he said in this chapter, right, it, it's no good to look around and be like, wow, wow, I've, I've ruined it. Utter desolation, I've ruined my life. It, you know, might have been fun in the moment, but here I am alone on my deathbed, and what do I have to show for it? Um, and <clears throat> again, going to going to hell <laughs> for eternity over uh, sexual pleasures in the moment is obviously not a great uh, not a great um, eternity strategy either. And you know, didn't even really deal with that a whole lot, just the soul salvation aspect of it. But this is an important topic. It's something that we really, even the church, needs to really refocus on because there's a lot of churches that just kind of, yeah, it, it's kind of not a great thing, but oh well, you know, it didn't work out. Now, in with this, um, someone was talking to me recently. They were having some issues in their marriage or whatever, and um, I don't want to. I'm going to try to be general here, <laughs> but uh, they they they're someone that I, I was just talking with wasn't someone that I know real well, not a member of like the congregation and stuff, but just someone that I was speaking with and they were, you know, talking about some things going on and they they um were seeking guidance and stuff and and they mentioned to me that they talked to someone 
at another church, someone who was in the position of like a like they're a counselor. So this is someone that is, you know, put out there as people should go to this person for things like marital counseling. And so they were talking to this person, and the person told them, well, you know, uh, they said they'd been divorced, and it wasn't that big of a deal, and that this person, if they, you know, if they went that route, they ended up getting a divorce. It wasn't that big of a deal. They had a new spouse now, and their life was great. That That is the attitude um, that prevails in many places, uh, in many churches, uh, amongst people within churches, and this is one of the reasons why we have such powerlessness, such, such, uh, we, we're, not, we're not close to God. We're not walking in sanctification, let alone salvation. Um, this is why. And it's a very, very um, prevalent thing in our society that needs to be uh, backed down. It needs to be obliterated. We need to get back to viewing marriage as sacred, viewing marriage as a covenant before God. And therefore, when we go to get into a marriage, we are much more serious about it, much more thoughtful and prayerful, getting guidance and counsel and all of that. And if you're in a marriage and or you know someone, you're working with someone that's in a marriage and it's rocky, it's bumpy, maybe they, they didn't even they don't even know about these principles and God and things like this. Um the the great place to start is to say, okay, let's where do we start? Where do we start picking up the pieces? Where do we start working on this? Start with this is a covenant before God, and so we shouldn't even look at divorce as an option. Let's work it out in the way of that's off the table. Now, what do we need to do to work on this? And if we do that, I think society would be much, much better. Our marriages would be better and stronger. Our families would be stronger. Again, if you list if you list divorce as an as a uh, as a uh, kind of a list of options, you know, let's get married and see how how it works out. Then adultery is a very natural thing that follows. Remember how we defined adultery in the, in the beginning? It's not just I'm married and I, I secretly go cheat on my wife. It's also I'm married, I go ahead and get divorced, and I go marry somebody else. That's also adultery. Um, and so adultery is something that will be significantly reduced if we look at marriage as a covenant before God, and we take divorce off the table as a going into the marriage, this is a potential option in the future. If you go into marriage saying, nope, this is not going to be an option, it is till death do us part. I mean, most people just straight up lie. There are so many liars that attend uh, weddings. It's unbelievable, right? I mean, so many of them that still, still, till death do us part. And in the back of their minds, both of them, they're sitting there thinking, yeah, unless it doesn't work out, right? <laughs> till death do us part, unless something else comes up that I don't like, in which case I'm not waiting for death. That is not the attitude that God has. It is not the attitude the church, the true ecclesia, the called out ones should have either. We should love God and we should drink water from our own cistern. Remain faithful to the husband, the wife that we have committed to Stay in that sanctity and sacredness of the marital covenant, and we will avoid adultery.
I hope this has been helpful and instructive. And again, we'll go into, I think, more detail when we get into our discussion on the Ten Commandments, because it is one of the Ten Commandments as well. But until then, I bid you adieu, and please remember to share this comment and um, give us that that thumbs up that uh, allows YouTube on the algorithm to go ahead and push this out to even more people. Love you guys. God bless you. And we'll catch you on the next episode.